Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. You know, because sometimes you think this person over here makes all of this jumbliness look so beautiful. Like, how does that even happen? And I try to do it and it just looks like a mess. And so I had to, I had to have kind of like a come to Jesus moment with myself. Like, that's not going to be me. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 20. In this episode, I'm joined by Andrea Gray, publisher of Retro Hit Magazine for a very special Q&A episode. Andrea is the blogger and YouTuber known within the scrapbooking community as Retro Hip Mama. Hey, Andrea, how are you today? I'm so good. How are you? Fantastic. I'm so excited to finally get a chance to talk to you because I've been admiring your work for the past few years and you just do such a wonderful job with your vintage inspired branding and I just love it. Oh, thank you so much. I I, I really hope that that comes through. Uh, sometimes I, I get a little squirrely, um, but I think that that vintage vibe, com- vibe comes through. I hope it does. Yeah, 100%. So could you help, um, for those that don't know who you are, could you share a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to the Scrapbook Your Way audience? Sure. Uh, So I am known online as Retro Hip Mama. I have been a blogger, a YouTuber, a scrapbooker um, in the online space uh, since about 2010 is when I started my blog. I started YouTube in 2012 or 2013 um, and, of course, started Instagram around the same time. So We've been um, kind of on this journey for uh, several years. I recently um, lo- left all of my design teams and am, am full force going uh, toward Retro Hip Magazine, which is now a year old, if you can believe that. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> seems, thank you so much. It seems kind of crazy, but one day I just had an idea. I said, I just want to put out a, a sketchbook, like some e-magazine or something. And then I thought, well, it needs a cover. And maybe it needs some principles. And then it just kind of spiraled <laughs> into becoming a publication, a full-on publication. And, and here we are. So I'm still doing that. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, can you tell us a little bit about like where you live and, you know, do you have, do you have kids? Yeah. Well, we want to get some context here for the type of scrapbooking that you do by hearing more about you personally as a, you know, a person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I do live in Northern California. So I am about um, 30 minutes east of Sacramento. Uh, that is um, 
uh, where we've we've basically always lived in California, always lived in Northern California, and we we love our little town. Uh, and I live here with my husband. We've been married for close to twenty years, and we have two kids. One Gibson is seventeen, and he is about a month away from graduating high school, <laughs> which Ooh, is wow. sending all of my mommy emotions in a million places. I bet. And then, yeah. And then Marshall is our 11 year old boy, and he is about to be in middle school. So we have some, you know, some big transitions happening. And then we also have our little pup, Charlie. Charlie May the Furry Gray. She has a hashtag. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> and now you also made a big personal transition from working outside the home to working at home, right? Yeah, I I did. Uh, I have always worked outside the home. I, you know, it's it's just kind of always been what we've what we've needed to do. And I got a really wonderful opportunity to leave my office insurance job, which was, you know, very stressful. had had put a lot of uh, worry and anxiety on me. And I was just, you know, look. I wasn't really looking for an opportunity, but I was open to if something came my way, I would jump on it. Uh, and it did. And I, I am now a freelance graphic designer working from home. I have a, a one specific client that, you know, is my main full-time client. And then, you know, I've taken on a couple of other things here and there and allows me to be at home. Our routines have shifted. My husband works at home too. So he's like, I'm in his space now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which has been a shift for for everyone. It's been a shift for for the whole family. Well, it sounds like a lot of exciting times going on for yes. your family right now. Very much. So speaking of exciting things, we always do this segment on the podcast of what's exciting you right now. It could be anything in scrapbooking or even tangential to scrapbooking. Mm, it's going to be, it's going to sound really simple. It's going to sound really <laughs> archaic, but everything counts exciting. <laughs> I know. Okay, good. Um, washi stamps and labels. Okay. I, I don't Go know further. why. But <laughs> <laughs> I have been using, using washi and stamps and labels in all of my projects for a good solid few months now. And I just, it's what I'm gravitating toward. They're simple to use. I have a lot of them. And then I don't have to think a lot. I don't have to think about what can I use here that's different or new. It's like, it's kind of a go-to that is really pumping me up. If I have washi, if I have some stamps I can use and I have labels, I can create anything. Well, we're definitely going to get more into those tried and true go-to items later in this episode. And I think it's really important to highlight that it's often the things that are right in front of you. Some of those basics Um, that we often have lots of (laughs) and that we want to really make a dent in so we can buy more of them. Exactly. And I just upgraded my washi. I, you know, I, I did some purging and needed some, a bit of a refresher and, and purchased about 20 new rolls from some, you know, newer collections and some collections I've been eyeballing. And it really has helped kind of refresh my use of my washi. Oh, I can see that 100% because (laughs) I'm in a place where I have not refreshed it in a while. And I go in, I pull something out, it's all stuck together or it has no stick at all. I mean, it it kind of is a a perishable item amongst the scrapbook supplies. I didn't realize how badly it can warp, but it really can. Yeah. And so I I think that is something that you kind of need to turn over and and go through every once in a while. Just like you go through markers and test them out, you kind of need to do the same thing with your washi tapes. A perfect reason to upgrade. 
Yeah, and then, of course, there's always <laughs> lots of really cute uh, designs coming out. And I love how they do more bundles now with smaller rolls but different designs and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it gives you a good variety, and then you're not – you're also not stuck trying to figure out what coordinates with certain washies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, cool. I can't wait to hear more a little bit later. <laughs> cool. So my thing is my favorite pen. Now, I've been using these Pilot high-tech C pens for a long time, but they just released this one that I think in the past year it plus-ish, um, it's called the Maika or Mica line, M-A-I-C-A. Um, the pen casing is a little bit wider and the overall pen design is prettier, I guess. I don't know if, <laughs> if there's really that much difference to it, but the reason I love these pens is they have such a super fine, crisp point. And I like that is good. <laughs> yeah. I love really fine pens for journaling because I want it to look, I don't know, cursively sloppy in a way that you can't. You can't see my mistakes. And so I just be all like scripty, but that really doesn't, you know, any mistakes don't stand out as much when your point is very fine. Whereas thicker markers, you're going to see a mistake more likely. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally does. Yeah. A good sharp pen is key. I I found a pen called the Klenna. It's a gel pen. It's Uh by Pentel. And I have seriously bought like 10 of these and I keep one in all of my planners, all of my purses, all of my areas, like upstairs at my scrap desk, at my office, desk, like everywhere <laughs> is these, these Klenna Pentel pens. And the, the, the thing about this, this pen size, it's a 0. 0.03. Mm-hmm. So it's super, super fine. Yeah. Mine's which, a 0.03 too. Yeah, it's so cool. I love them. That's so my much. favorite size for sure. The 0.01s mm-hmm. end up being way too like they end up scratchy. Yes. And they skip sometimes, but a yep. 0.05 is too thick. So a 0.03 I think is a great happy medium. It is perfect. All right. So moving into our discussion. Now we haven't I've only given like a little bit of a hint in the introduction here of what we're doing. We are doing a listener QA. So all of these questions have been submitted by our scrapbook your way listeners, and we want to, you know, share from our perspectives of how we go about doing things and to make sure you have some of the best information to improve your scrapbook hobby. Um, we're gonna be going through these roughly sort of in order of the the creative process, starting with photos and ending with some more kind of like high level questions, um, more like abstract concepts. But I think even those will have really practical, practical, actionable tips for you. And and I think we're going to share a lot of those. So to get started, the first question is, how can you get more photos of yourself without the help of someone else taking that picture? I love this question because I love selfies. And if you've ever seen my Instagram feed, you might catch on that I (laughs) like selfies. I like to document. And a lot of times people aren't around, right? Sometimes we're out shopping or we're at home. And maybe if you're starting in your selfie game, you might be embarrassed to have someone take a picture of you, even if it's your family. Um, So do not be afraid to prop your phone up somewhere and use the self-timer. Like Mm -hmm. I have an iPhone there is a self timer. It has a three second delay and a 10 second delay. And just practice setting your phone up, you know, use a tripod if you want, but you know, not everybody has that capability. Uh, 
but I would suggest propping it up using the self timer and practicing, you know, that way you can get maybe an outfit shot of, you know, what you've, what you're wearing that day. It doesn't have to always be a close up of your face. Uh, and then, but I also use a Bluetooth shutter remote. Oh, those are super handy. I have one of those yeah. for my big camera. Yeah. This one works directly with the iPhone via Bluetooth. It's small. You can keep it right in your hand and kind of hide it mm-hmm. uh, when you're, when you're, you know, in the photo and that way you can get nicer backgrounds for yourself. It, like I said, it doesn't just have to be a close up of your face. Try different angles. Uh, like if you're out walking or running, you can set your phone on a bench or up against the light pole. Even if it's on the ground, you can get a picture of your feet walking by. There's just a lot of creative things that you can do to get yourself photographed. Yeah. We, we've got to doc. We have to document ourselves. We have to. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that, yeah. especially us moms, there's you know a larger conversation even beyond scrapbooking of of moms are not getting in the picture because we're often taking the pictures. But there are yeah. so many ways we can, and I, I really love your point about being creative and experimenting and trying new things and figuring out what you like, what what you can get good results with, and then just doing more of that as you learn and develop skills. Yeah, and and the I, I'll go back real quick just to the embarrassment part of taking a photo of yourself. It's going to be uncomfortable at first if this is not something you're used to. And I used to get a little nervous when I'd be out walking my dog and I'm on the trail and I'm looking around and I'm like, is there anybody around? You know, like, is it somebody going to think that I'm a weirdo or something for if they see what I'm doing? But you, you do, you get over that because you know that you're getting and capturing your life and if that's a priority, then you're not really going to care what anybody else thinks. And if somebody walks by, you know what? They might even ask if they can take a picture for you. That's for you sure. Know? Or they you might even know. get inspired to take yep. by you, what you're doing and, tr- and start to understand the value of getting yourself in the picture. Yeah, you can start a conversation about, you know, I'm a memory keeper and and I'm just trying to document my life. How cool is that? You know, and, and yeah, like you said, you can totally inspire someone else. Um, Let me see what other, I think two other tips that I want to share. I definitely use the remote shutter for my phone, but I actually chose my phone so that it had one built in. And that's, I have the Galaxy Note. Uh, I guess it's the Note 9. And so it has this pen that comes out and I'm like, I guess I'll use the pen. But what I really want is that shutter button on the pen. Yeah. So so I have this tiny little yellow pen that I hold in my hand and I can use as a remote shutter. And that was 100% the reason I got this phone. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, and adding on top of that, if you have an iPhone and an Apple Watch, your Apple Watch can be your photo shutter. Oh, great tip. Great tip. Yep. Um, And then the other one is that even long ago, probably starting in 2008, I've been taking photos in mirrors. Um, Because it's a great way to get a a selfie that's maybe not as awkward. And you also, I like getting the camera actually in there because it's cool to see how your camera or your phone has changed over the years as you're taking these pictures. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can also get some other things and some depth in your shots as well. If you're seeing what's in the background behind the mirror behind you. Oh, exactly. You know, there there Mm -hmm. certainly is value in that those kind of context shots. Not every selfie needs to be against a a beautifully colored wall or even a white wall. (laughs) Exactly. That doesn't tell much of a story. (laughs) All right. Continuing on a little bit. We've talked briefly about this, but what camera do you use most these days? Do you still use your DSLR? 
I don't even have one anymore. Wow. I am exclusively shooting on my iPhone and uh, that's for video as well. That's amazing. I mean, because you're a serious YouTuber and you're publishing this magazine and I can't, you're, it's just yep. t- a testament to the power of technology these days that you can do all of that on your iPhone. You can. And what I love about it is that if, if you're trying to go do something, you don't need to be held back by your equipment or your lack of technology. If you have a phone, it's good. You know, you can do so much with it. And I'm seeing more and more of these like waterproof cases that you would use for your phones. Just like if you're going to go on a water ride, I don't, I know there's some of them that are actual waterproof for underwater, but ones that are like make it splash resistant when you're going to Disney or or whatnot. Um, It makes it even more comfortable to take things with you. Yeah, that's Yeah, I like those too. Because we've got to, we've got, we've got to take pictures when we're on those rides. (laughs) Those are awesome shots. Oh, for sure. Um, some of the stuff my husband took, because he's a little less nervous about holding his phone yeah. in the middle of a ride. I'm like, wow, that's a great <laughs> video. I'm glad you did that, not me. <laughs> but even think about summertime is coming up and a lot of us have, well, not a lot of us, a lot of people. I don't have little kids anymore, but your kids are going to want to run through the sprinklers or spend mm-hmm. time at the pool. I mean, take your phone with you, protect it, like you said, but get those get those shots. Yeah. So I do still use mine to a certain extent. I bring it out at like holidays, birthdays, Christmas, because I do appreciate, um, especially some of the indoor shots where I can get a little bit better quality um, in lower light. And then for my like scrapbook pages and, and things I'm doing like professionally, I still use it for that because I, I would say nine times out of 10, I'm going to get a better result or at least, uh, I have less editing to do in the end. Um, and so I'd rather have true. less editing to do <laughs> than more. <laughs> that is so true. And and it's such a convenience driver for me mm-hmm. is using the phone. And so, and my husband, my husband is a filmmaker. So we do not have a lack of cameras in this house. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but they're complicated. Yes. And it, you have, there's such a learning curve to using it properly. And while I, can I just prefer and again it's like what's stopping you from from either learning or from just going for it you know so I kind of get on myself sometimes about I really should be using one of Matt's cameras for this and then I use it and you know I, I don't use it correctly and things get frustrating and then you know then I'm back to <laughs> back to my phone so it is I know that they have connectors now too, though. Like if you take your picture from your DSLR, it can just shoot it straight to your phone. So that those are the kinds of things I'm looking for. Convenience. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually had one of those iFi cards for my DSLR to automatically transfer my photos. Well, then the software changed and, and all the yeah. whole platform changed. And then all of a sudden it stopped working. And I'm like, well, now I have to take my card out of my camera and stick it in my computer and wait for all that to happen. Yep. So... Yeah, it's one of the reasons I don't use it nearly as much because it isn't as convenient. Right. All right. So now that we've taken our photos and we found a way to get them onto our computers easily, I know that there's some people that then there, there's this way to get stuck. This listener writes, finding photos on my computer hinders my progress. What are some ways I can make it less overwhelming? It is such a huge it is. issue. This is where yeah. so many people get stuck. I'm so glad that someone asked this. 
because it's taken me a long time to figure out a really good process, but I think, I think I have it nailed. And what, what I'm doing is I'm first thing is I edit as I go, you know, when we're posting to social that has an editing process as part of it. So I know that if it's a photo that's worthy of going on Instagram, I'm going to throw some edits on it. I use Lightroom. So it, it just, it happens then and there. And then I post and then that photo is edited. And the other thing is making a home for those photos that are edited so that you could have taken 40 selfies before you got the good one, right? Yes. You don't want to have to <laughs> weed. I know I do. <laughs> you don't want to have to weed through those once you're looking at them all on your computer to find out which one you edited. So for me, the process is that when I, I use Lightroom on my phone, it connects to Lightroom on my Mac. I know that if I've edited it, edited it in Lightroom, it's going to show up in my Lightroom area. So then I pull those pictures into a folder in the month that's called print. And those are the ones I develop. I never, never touch really any of the other photos other than getting them off my phone and backed up. So I'm not weeding through those ever when I'm going to edit. That's a great tip. And you also are not also spending time deleting the others, it sounds like. I I actually am, but it's it doesn't happen very often because what I actually do is I have Google Photos. Okay. And so Google Photos will automatically sync every single photo and video that goes onto my camera roll. Mm-hmm. So that happens automatically in the background all the time. So what I do to back up my photos is I have an external hard drive and I just did this last week, is I go through uh, Google Photos, and I select a week range because I organize my photos by year, by month, and by week. So in the month folder is the weekly folder. And then I take the week range in Google Photos, and I select all of those photos, and I put them in a zip file. They live in that week folder on my hard drive now. So now they live in two places. Well, that backup is is so super important. Um, my process is somewhat similar, but there's a few differences. I'm more Lightroom centric. I don't use Google Photos. Um, I mean, it, it's there. Like I, I yep. technically have Google Photos installed, but I don't ever look at it and I don't really consider <laughs> it part of my process. It's like the third emergency backup. It should be. Yeah. Something should be that thing you ignore, but that you just know in the back of your mind, things are safe. Yeah. But I also use um, uh, Backblaze and an external hard drive as my kind of two primary backups for my Lightroom catalog and all the photos. Um, and I will link uh, several videos that I did and blog posts that I did to this because we don't have enough time to go through I know. the details and just this. We this could do a, a whole, whole podcast show. episode just on photo <laughs> management for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the points that I want to make here is that it's more important that you pick a photo and make a scrapbook page than it is for you to get your whole library organized right now. Like I want you to, our listeners to think of those as two very separate activities that if you want a scrapbook, then whatever quick and dirty way you can get a one photo or three photos, print them out and scrapbook them. That's what I want you to do first. And then when you feel like organizing, (laughs) go do that. Yeah. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Just you, you get them, get them printed. Yeah. Even if it's like the Walgreens app on your phone and you're going to yep. select, here's 25 photos that I want to print. So I have stuff to scrapbook this weekend. Get that done. And then you can work, you can still have time to work on the organization, but not when you're in the mood to scrapbook. You don't want to waste that opportunity. That's right. And pre printing photos is always, you know, helpful because then you've got a plethora of photos to choose from. Yes, exactly. And you're never stuck. Right, exactly. You shouldn't be left, you shouldn't sit down at your desk with nothing, with no photos. You know, obviously, you. That is that is a great place to start, unless you like photoless layouts, which is an option too. It always is, especially to you know <laughs> bring in some creativity or some extra journaling. Um, right. I certainly made plenty of those when I didn't have quick access to photos or didn't feel like dealing with it in that moment. I know, yeah. Um, I also think <laughs> spreading things out over the week uh, is helpful. Um, if you know that you're going to have time to scrapbook, say Friday night, do some of the photo work earlier in the week so you're ready. You can also find some of your supplies earlier in the week, you know, lay things out and prep so that when you are ready to spend a dedicated block of time, you don't have to go dig in from scratch. Absolutely. Such a good tip. All right. Before we move on, any other kind of photo tips that you think our listeners need to know? That's really all I had was a, was just editing as you go so that it's not overwhelming when you when you finally've got you know weeks and weeks worth of stuff to to edit, um, you know while you guys are watching TV at night or laying in bed, like just edit some photos. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah, just find the, those little pockets of time to get those little admin things done. <laughs> and even if you're not somebody who edits your photos, you could be like flagging or starring photos that you do on a scrapbook. Yes. Somehow, just creating some sort of indication that this one is more special than the rest. Right. And I actually even started making, so I guess I do have another tip. I started to make a separate folder in my camera roll albums Mm -hmm. and it's just called family photos to edit. So if I know that these, these are the ones I want to edit or the ones that I've already edited that I want to print, whichever place they fall in that process of mine, um, they go into a separate album. So that way, when I either pull them into Lightroom, I'm pulling them from that album only and not pulling them and trying to sort through the camera roll, trying to find the ones that I thought I wanted to. Because, you know, on the camera roll on the iPhone, you can't release, really, you can favorite them, but then they just fall in with all the favorites. Um, and you can favorite things for different, you know, for only one one reason. You can't make any special indicators. Sure. So that's why I started putting them into a separate folder, an album, separate album. Great tip. All right. Um, so shifting gears here, we're going to talk a little bit about organization. So how do you, and this is like the question to end all questions. Everyone <laughs> always struggles with this. How do you organize your kids' stuff, the schoolwork, the art, their achievements, just all the stuff that comes home? How do you manage that? And I'm listening to you as a more seasoned mom here because <laughs> I have some ideas, yeah. but it's not perfected yet. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have been doing this mom thing for, you know, 17 years at this point, close to 18. He is so close. Uh, But it's been, it's been pretty much this way the whole time, because we've never had a lot of extra space. And I'm, I'm sentimental on one hand, but I'm not on another hand. So what I've been doing for the longest time is two things. 
if it's a big bulky project, which happens a lot more when they're small, um, I, I take a picture of it. Yes. And I throw it away. Yes. <laughs> I will let my kiddo like look at it and say, you know, is this something that you would want whole or can I just take a picture? Like we go through this process together. We did this a lot when, when they were early in, in grade school uh, and it was more of a, is this important enough to you to keep or is a photo okay for you? And they have done a good, good job over the years of just going, no, your picture's fine. I don't need to touch that styrofoam cup that looks like a mouse, yeah. you know, when I'm 20. Um, so I take a real nice, like I set up a good white background. So I take foam core board on the bottom and set a foam core board on the back. And I take a nice kind of studio, you know, product portrait of it. Um, and if it had double sides, I would, you know, or something, I would take multiple shots of it and then it just gets, the photo gets stored away and the item gets tossed. Yeah. I think Uh, that's a huge tip. Like anything that you can get rid of, but save in another way, um, really is the best of both worlds that you're still preserving it. It has value, but it doesn't take up physical space any longer. Exactly. Exactly. And and the other thing I have done in my big Project Life family albums over the years is if it's flat, like an award that they get that's eight and a half by 11 or the report cards, I will put those in the scrapbook. I will just put them in a page protector and they get kind of put in within the pages because I love doing mixed pages in my in my big albums. So I'll just toss an eight and a half by 11 or even birthday cards. When, when they have a birthday, I get a six by eight, uh, pocket or, you know, one open page protector, put it in that, put it in the album and all their cards go in there. Maybe like secure it with a staple or a washi tape. Washi so tape they don't for fall sure, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But so I'll, I'll save flat things for the most part. If they're something that they were proud of or something I know, I remembered and loved seeing in my box that my mom gave me when I moved out, you know, like, is this something I think that they would appreciate? Those are the things I I'll decide. That's a good frame of reference too, is to really think about your own experience and and maybe what, what you were sad that got thrown out or what you were happy that was kept. Yeah, that's true. And those, some of those are still a little gut wrenching Mm -hmm, for sure. (laughs) So I definitely do all those things. I also, um, especially when Emily was much younger, like preschool and was doing a lot of very abstract art, I actually cut those down into three by four pocket size cards. So just an excerpt of the artwork and then threw away the rest of the page. Um, I've certainly, yeah, like some of them, like if it's covered in sand or whatever, it ends up being kind of messy, but it was a great way to save some of it without saving all of it. And then let's see what else I've done. I, what I've been working on recently is basically having a, one of those 13 by 13 iris cases for every school year. Um, And I I imagine in the future, these will get pared down as maybe some of those things do end up in scrapbook pages or I photograph some more items or scan them. Um, But for now, having one box per year is, is working. And as if it, if the box becomes full, I need to sort through some more things, get through some more so that one box can last for the whole school year. For Um, sure. And then I have like, I have two boxes total for her essentially what one, two, three, her four years of daycare and preschool. 
Um, but it's taken iteration. Like first I cut it down by half and then I cut it down again. <laughs> the more you go through it, the more you, you don't feel as attached to certain things. That is true. Yeah, that is true. And, and as they get older, they do come home with less. Yes, you know, the sure. things that, that my kids are coming home with now, it's like a permission slip and a newsletter. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, these are not, <laughs> these are not things that have anything to do with who they are or what they've accomplished. Um, so you could probably keep doing the, the 13 by 13 boxes, but they could have multiple years in them. And then that way your, your organization system doesn't have to change. You know, they fit somewhere Correct. and you know what to expect going forward too. Well, as you were talking about having a home for your photos, having just a home for this, even if it's imperfect, is the most important thing. It could be a box in the closet, but as long as there's a home, it doesn't end up, you know, in piles or or tucked away and just in different places all over your house. Exactly. All right. So shifting from organizing of stuff, like let's talk about organizing of ideas a little bit more. So this listener writes, my head is flooded with ideas. How do you choose which stories to scrapbook? Oh, it's, there's never the right answer for that. And over the years I have just, I've kind of needed to tell myself, look, girl, you are always going to have unfinished projects and projects that you want to start and they may never get started. They may get started and never finished. They may get abandoned. They may completely be a masterpiece. Uh, and you're going to, you're going to have all these things at different times and different seasons. And, uh, for me, I have to keep some, some sort of running list. Uh, just a few weeks ago on Instagram, I actually posted a, a post-it note. I have, I used lined post-it notes and I wrote the project that was undone. And I have all of those undone projects in one little cubby of my Calyx cubes. And the list sits right there, like taped to that little square because for me to just know that I have five or six possible projects I can work on, I have a lot to choose from and I can choose what I want to work on at that time. And I actually give myself like a five minute limit on a project. And if I'm not feeling it, I will put it away and I will try a different project because I'm not going to waste my time on ideas and projects that just kind of aren't inspiring me. Or oh, exactly. Helping, you know, helping me be creative. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to feel obligated to do that either. So um, I'll always kind of just start with something because I do have, a, when I sit down, I do have a lot of things I want to work on. I have a lot of things I want to work on listers. I want to work on project life. I want to work on, you know, all these unfinished projects. And, and so I just, I just pick one. I just pick, <laughs> just randomly pick and sit down and, just go for it. And if it's not working, I'll, I'll move on. Um, well, our moods shift so much. It doesn't mean that that project doesn't have value or that you won't feel excited about it in the future. Now it's very well possible that you won't ever feel excited about it. And that's something to look at and evaluate, but we're all in different zones. Like, you know, maybe you had a little argument with your hubby. So you're probably not going to do a lovey dovey page about your hubby right now. (laughs) I mean, you might want to do something about your kid or about yourself or something else, depending on what's going on in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's about what's inspiring you right now. And sometimes it's a photo. Sometimes it's product. Oh, you know, for sure. I mean, for I, for me, 
I am product driven. And so I will typically want to play with a certain product and I'll find photos that go with that, you know, or on the opposite, I'll start with a photo. If I'm like, I got this really cute picture of Marshall without his hat on and you can see his face and it's a great picture. I want to start here because that picture is inspiring me, you know? So you've got to kind of figure out what fires you up and start there. I definitely have to follow my own inspiration um, because I don't always feel motivated. I make a lot of lists for the work I have to do in the world, whether it's it's at home or my, or my jobs, but I don't, I am not inspired by lists of stories to scrapbook because I almost never want to do anything on that list in a given moment. Because there's just yeah. something else, whether, as you said, a product, um, a, a technique I want to try, a photo I want to scrapbook that feels more compelling. Yeah. And it depends too on what kind of, we're not all storytellers in the same way. Um, I'm very visual words and stories for me are not a motivator or a driver because I'm not a words person. Um, my, if you look at any of my scrapbook albums, the journaling is minimal. It's just, I either am going to make a list of the details about what happened. Um, or I'll tell a quick three or four sentence story just because that's just not my thing. It's mm-hmm. I just, I'm, it's not my strong, my, it's not my strength. Uh, words are, don't come easy to me. I'm not super articulate. I, I don't, I can't describe the smell of things in my words. <laughs> you know, I can't put someone there, yeah. um, but I can, I can tell facts. And um, so that's, that's kind of where, um, where people can differ in what they're motivated by. And if you have a story that you want to tell and you are a storyteller, then, you know, maybe you make a list of, like you said, of the stories you want to tell. Or if you're more visual, make a list of the pictures that you know that you have that you want to document. Or make a list of the scrapbook supplies that you just bought that you want. You know, for me, the stuff that I want to use, I keep it right out in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I, when I do my purging and my reorganization, which I do about every few months, if there's stuff that I've recently brought in or stuff that I'm excited about, I will make myself like a little mini organization hub right on my desk. It doesn't have to do with any of the organization that's in drawers or in buckets or bins or anything else that I have going on. It's like this, its own little special hub where I just pull from. Well, it sounds like it's like like a little, a mini shop, a curated collection of supplies. And that can be really inspiring when you don't have to make very many choices. That's the key is the, the, the overwhelm. It eliminates the overwhelm. If I say to myself, this is all I have to work with. Some people could find that very limiting and some people could find that very freeing. So you've got to know your own balance, but What's great is that you're making you're making less choices, right? Which then frees up your brain to go, oh, you know what? I have this this uh, ribbon that would go great with this that's in front of me. Then you you know you're only making the decision about the ribbon, or it frees up your mind to think and remember that you have the supplies that you have, versus digging through every supply that you have, spending all your time looking for stuff. 
Yeah, I, I often so use those kind of little, whether I'm working from a kid or I've selected a group of supplies, when you can identify, oh, well, I don't want to use that. It's much easier to say, but I know I have this other thing over here. It might be buried away, but now I know exactly where it is and I have a function for it and I can pull it out quickly. So it's kind of like swapping things in and out, but you wouldn't have discovered that otherwise. Exactly. And you do have to you do have to know your supplies. You do have to have a an intimate relationship with your supplies. And that means for me, not having too many. And, you know, we can, again, we can go into a whole other show about purging and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But for me, being inspired means that I don't, I don't have to go look through everything. I just want to make quick decisions. Well, and I think one of the other tips that we, we often talk about here is that there's a sense of you can be over organized when you have too many containers and layers of storage. Yes. It actually makes it harder mm-hmm. to get to your supplies and, and, and know what you have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and it, yeah, it, it can be overwhelming. It can be where you just don't remember. Um, and it can just be too much work. You know, you spend to all your through, time managing and organizing yeah. than actually creating. Absolutely. And nobody has time for that. <laughs> for sure. We want to create. All right. So speaking of creating, we're going to dig into this. What are our tried and true things, whether it's supplies, tools, like designs, like go-to compositions? What do you use again and again? Besides yeah, washi, uh, <laughs> labels, and stamps. <laughs> that is on my list. Because those are just, they're so easy. Uh, they're, I know how they're like a they're like a good pair of jeans, you know. You know how they're going to look when you put them on, um, and those those items all they just they're they're um, versatile, right? So if you're using a brand new collection that you've never used before and you've got these cool fun die cuts, well, throw in some of your tried and true stamps, tried and true labels because you know that they're going to work because they're just it's a versatile product. And I, I like, you know, printing things at home. I like printables and digitals. And so I can just reprint the ones that I love over and over again. And I never, I never run out. So it's really, <laughs> I have an endless supply of labels and it's, it's awesome. But my, my go-to recently has been like a grid kind of collage layout mm-hmm. where I'm just. Those are, it's, it's those too, are really fun and like always a way to make so it fun. fresh yet still the same. <laughs> I know, I know, because they're never going to look the same. They might have a similar feel and a similar um, formula, but they never, they can never look the same. And what I love about it too, so it's, it's, it's easy as far as like, you're just filling in like a puzzle. You know, you start with your, your base. So like your outside, when you work a puzzle, you start with all your edges. Well, in a scrapbook layout for me, those are the photos. So that's kind of your foundation And then from there, you're basically just filling in like what can fit in this little area that I have. Is it a label? Is it a piece of washi? Is it um, a heart? Is it a cluster of things? Is it this big die cut that I can cut in half and have it, you know, peeking off the edge of this photo? It's, It's so easy to just like figure out what fits. And that's what's really fun and creative. For me, it just kind of gets those, gets those creative juices flowing. And then on top of that, I'm using a ton of supplies. Mm-hmm, 100%. Yeah, that's you know, that makes and, those pages really fun. Yeah, and 
because I, I know for me, I struggle with layering and clustering. I cannot layer like a boss, <laughs> like Miss Victoria Marie. I cannot cluster beautiful florals and uh, things on top of each other and, and not make it look like something just threw up on my page. Like I do not have that talent. So my way of doing something similar is by putting them next to each other and giving them space to breathe. Cause I feel like that's what I need in my life is this space around my things. And that translates perfectly into these grid collage layouts because I feel like the page can breathe. I feel like each item gets to be highlighted on its own. Um, and I'm getting through my stash and allowing room for more. <laughs> we also like to do. <laughs> I think you have a really important point there of understanding what's comfortable for you when you're creating a page. Because you might be, you know, scrap lifting, modeling someone else's page, using a sketch. And if something doesn't feel comfortable, it's important to understand why, because it just your brain doesn't like that for whatever reason. We all see things differently. And what yeah. might be comfortable for me may make you totally squirrely and you can't ever feel like it feels right. Right. And I tried for a lot of a lot of years I have practiced. And I feel like I can do a good like three or five item cluster and make it finally feel like I know what I'm doing. But it took so long. And and I remember thinking to myself, I've got to do more. Like I, I, I'm not done. And I would get this like weird feeling like this isn't me. I'm, I've gone too far. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was probably just a few years ago. I remember doing, um, on my YouTube channel, I did this series called ask Andrea where people would submit questions and I would, I would answer them. And this was one of the questions was like, how do you know when, you know, when to stop? And I figured out that for me, it was just when I felt like it wasn't me anymore. I, I just knew I, I had I, I had to stop, you know, because sometimes you think this person over here makes all of this jumbliness look so beautiful. Like, how does that even happen? And I try to do it and it just looks like a mess. And so I had to I had to have kind of like a come to Jesus moment with myself. Like, that's not going to be me, you know. But you could be on the other side of the spectrum, too. You could be where if you try to just put like two or three things down, that may not feel comfortable to you. You may feel more comfortable with the extra layers and the lots of texture and the, you know, that may feel really good. And that's where you need to, that's what you need to figure out for yourself is where, like you said, where you're comfortable. Yep. Raising my hand here. When I try to do like a Kathy Zielski clean and simple layout, (laughs) it brings out like my worst perfectionist tendencies and I never can finish the page. But if I'm going to layer it up, maybe do a mixed media background, add like some weight towards one side of the page versus the other, like I am much more comfortable. And yes, my brand is simple scrapper, but that doesn't necessarily mean my style is simple. It just means I like to make things easy for myself. And that involves lots of layers and playfulness. Yeah, it looks different for everyone. That's mm-hmm. what's so, so cool about this this thing we do. It's like everything's beautiful. Correct. I love it. Yep. Period. <laughs> Period. Okay, Period. we're done. Oh, yeah. Let's I don't go. have anything else to say after that. It's just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have a couple tried and true things. Um, I definitely, I'm uh, very word oriented. I'm not necessarily always... Uh, lengthy in my stories, but I'm definitely loving using words as symbolism. So I love 
were chipboard pieces and were stamps. Um, I also am still, and this is like a a six, seven year trend for me is that I use my tiny attacher with sequins all the time. It's like my favorite way to do a small embellishment. So that's how you do the sequins thing. Yeah. Tiny attacher. I, could, I never figured it out. So do you, you don't put one end of the staple inside the hole. You do, you do two staples on either side of the hole, correct? I would do one staple through the middle of the sequin. Okay. So that the staple holes are on each side of the circle, of the if, you, if you manage yeah. to do it right, but it doesn't yeah, always happen okay. that way. Because <laughs> I can, I I had to give up sequins. Um, you can also <laughs> do a tiny attacher in the middle of a page if you open up the whole thing, and and do it's it true. on a, like a like a a cutting mat Punch, or something. Punch board, yeah, yeah. But I tend to just I'm too lazy to do that, so I will try to find <laughs> a way to make it towards the edge of the page, <laughs> or to do it on a layer that I have not yet adhered all the way, or even remove the layer and then stick it back so that I can right. add those sequins somewhere towards the middle of the page. Maybe I'll give see maybe I'll give sequins a try again. I don't know. You've got me curious. <laughs> I still and I have so many. It's like I never I will never run out. <laughs> <laughs> um I also and I've I've talked we talked about this a number of times in the podcast. I love six by six and six by eight papers. And I always hear people like I can't figure out how to use that size. And I'm like that's all I use. Because I don't want to deal with figuring out how to cut down a 12 by 12 and, and actually making a decision about how many inches this is going to be. Six by six and six by eight are so reliable for me. Um, and I like the scale of the patterns on those as well. Yeah, they're perfect for cutting your own pocket cards. Yes. And, you know. You can punch things said. out of them really easy without, you know, basically destroying a whole background. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And usually those pads come with multiples of each design. Yes. And so you 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 can feel less guilty about cutting apart, you know, a 12 by 12 piece of paper. For sure. Mm-hmm. I also love uh, die cuts because I like to do the layering and I like to soften edges. So if you have like some sort of rectangular or square piece of pattern paper or a rectangular square photo, like floral type of die cuts kind of soften the edges. I used to use more doilies for that in the past, but I kind of got out of that habit. Um, And then I have two other things that are not really supply focused. And one is I am kind of obsessed with putting borders on my photos. And I just think that provides... There's something about the look of it that helps to separate it from the rest of your page. It helps your supplies ground that photo, yet gives that photo some lift off the page as well. Um, And I find, I don't know, for some reason, unless I'm doing like a full page grid, that my photo looks funny if it doesn't have a white border around it. It's such a clean look. Yeah. I've been doing that to all of my photos for my pocket um, pages. I just started doing that for this 2019 album and I love the way it looks. Which is funny because I don't do it for my pocket pages at all. I only do that on layouts. <laughs> I love it. See? So Mostly because it's too hard to get even borders on a three by four. It is. And I had to, I struggled. I made a, a template in yeah. Photoshop for it. and But I struggled getting the sizing right. And I had to, a little trial and error. It, it, there's, things are always possible. It depends on how much, where you want to spend your time and effort. And yep. there's no, there's no right or wrong answer there. Everyone's going to love different parts of the process. For sure. And then I have one final thing that I is definitely my go-to is that I always have a ruler handy to use with my little point three pen to draw lines <laughs> for journaling. 
I always draw lines for journaling too. Because if I don't draw the lines, it's going to go all over the place. Um, <laughs> oh, and it's going to look like a mountain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I love drawing my little lines. So I can do my little journaling block. Sometimes I'll do like multiple ones around the page. And sometimes it's shorter and sometimes it's longer. But having those lines there really, really helps me. I agree. I, I don't use a ruler for mine. I actually got this tip. I was seeing one of my friends do her journaling when she did scrapbooking and she was just doing the lines by hand. And so they were a little wonky Mm -hmm. and they were a little like they were straight ish, but they had some personality. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like it kind of gave me heebie jeebies. Right. But I was like, one day I was just like, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. And then it just felt so good and freeing. Like I didn't have to have straight lines, but they were straight enough to still be straight and sure. give me a guide. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can, you can, uh, it's funny how I thought I, I needed straight, straight, straight lines. And then all of a sudden I just decided I didn't need them. Well, I will use freehanded lines, but only on a journaling card where I wrote without the lines. And then I try to like attempt straight lines with my hand to help bring that together and disguise the spaces that are uneven between the lines. (laughs) Whatever helps, whatever helps. It's great. Whatever makes your brain happy, which, you know, that's a good philosophy for, I would say life, but (laughs) agreed. Agreed. All right. Shifting gears here. Wow. We are already at 53 minutes. This is amazing. Um, (laughs) Such good conversation. We have several questions left and these are a little bit more of the abstract theoretical. Let's get deep here. Um, so if you were to start scrapbooking today, what would you do differently? Knowing everything you know now, yet you have no stuff, you have no projects, you're just starting as a new scrapbooker. Uh, I would be so overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. I, it's hard for me when people ask me, I'm a new scrapbooker. Where do I start? And I'm just like, girlfriend, I love all the formats. So I, I, this is the one question that I didn't pre-answer because I didn't know how to answer it. So I'm going to fumble through this answer because I'm actually so glad that I had an opportunity to try so many different formats to figure out what I liked and what I didn't like. So if I were starting today, I would probably be right where I am as far as I would want to try out all the formats, which would could be very expensive. Um, <laughs> when you, <laughs> but like to keep it simple, I would probably try out a TN. I would try out pocket pages in, in, in a large format and a small format. And I would try out like a journaling type of junk journal kind of thing where it's like loose and free form and pockets, no pockets, you know, pages that are just tags that are all over the place because I love all of those. And I am so glad that I got to see the true evolution of scrapbooking because I've been scrapbooking since 98. So when we were scrapbooking in eight and a half by 11 Mm -hmm. and you had Mrs. Grossman stickers and you cut your photos out of shapes of butterflies. With a colossal. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Where you're, you know, we were using the the toppers, those page title toppers with the little, the Mambi stick, stick people. Uh. <laughs> like they were camping and you had stick people that had a tent, you know, yeah. I'm glad I got to, to see all of that and that my scrapbooks 
have those things in them. Um, just because it gives me a, a, a past, you know, I, I don't know. It kind of just gives me an idea of what I like, what I don't like, and that I can change my style if I want to. Um, and that I don't have to be stuck in, in one type of, one type of scrapbook. Well, and that is a, I think a huge lesson learned. And I think something that if you're kind of pondering on this question and and feeling maybe unease with where you are at today to think about this question can, can shine so much light on maybe where you need to make a course correction because Mm -hmm. there's going to be things that really work and things where you're like, Oh, you know, that doesn't work for me anymore. It worked for me in another season of life. But right now I just, it, it doesn't fit me. It doesn't light me up and I'm not getting to the table for whatever reason. Right. And, and that's how Traveler's Notebooks became for me. I, I did them and did them and did them. And it just, it doesn't, doesn't light me up anymore. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on what it is. I've tried, I tried to do, um, open ringed ones because I was being frustrated that they wouldn't lay flat or that Mm -hmm. I was constantly making the pages outside of the book and then having to adhere them inside the book. And they were getting so fat that the pages were all bowing and I couldn't use thick embellishments like flair or, or things like that. Um, and I get people asking me, Oh, I wish you would do traveler's notebooks again. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it just, it just doesn't do it for me. What, you know, but I'm doing similar things. It's just a different size. I'm working a lot in the persnickety prints custom journals. So it's basically like a six by eight spiral journal. It's just got paper inside of it, but I feel like it's just a little, it, it lays flat. It's, it's, um, it's a little wider than a traveler's notebook, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I've, you know, it's like, I've, I've just changed and, and it's okay to do that. Like when I moved from 12 by 12 scrapbooks to nine by 12 this year, I moved to six by eight, even last year, because I thought that I wasn't taking as many photos and that was a big fat lie to myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) not true. But even even now, like I don't have that many photos of my kids anymore. They're at that stage where I'm lucky if I can sneak a photo of them. Um, and so I'm documenting less. You just you do have to figure out what your what your season is, and that's okay to change. One hundred percent. I love how you took the the traveler's notebook, the page protector list page, which of course is not new to scrapbooking. That's really how people used to be scrapbooking. That's how all my grandma's scrapbooks were. But you adapted it for what the size and the format that was going to work better for you. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing because it's the trend. You can always find a way to make it work that's just a little bit more comfortable. Yep. So for me on this, I think I have like three different answers. I have the answer <laughs> that I would tell to somebody else, which is I always recommend, if, especially if they really don't have any prior experience or knowledge, or maybe they used to be a scrapbooker, but haven't done it in a while. Um, I always send them to the Project Life app because to me, it's like the modern way to be a scrapbooker. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are never going to get back into the the tangible fun things that we've described and talked about. They're just not going to. It doesn't fit their life anymore. And that's that's cool. That's great. Um, but that's where I always send other people. For me, I've always answered this question as I would do photo books because I felt like it's a good combination of of celebrating mm-hmm. the photos that I love and getting a chance to tell stories. Um, but then the more I the more you talked and the more I've thought about it, the more I think I would end up 
really close to where I'm at now. <laughs> just because I do, I would miss the creativity. I would miss the crafty, tangible aspects of it. Um, when I started, yeah. I was a digital scrapbooker because I thought that was going to be the way of modern scrapbooking. I thought that's how everyone was going to be doing it. But yep, I, I, I spent all day too. on the computer. Why do I want to spend more time on the computer? Exactly. Exactly. But it was fun for a while, yeah. you know. But yeah, I needed I need glue on my hands, you know. Yeah, no, I want to wash it off ASAP, but I need <laughs> I need to feel it. And everyone is going to have, as we've been talking about, a different experience and a different need. For some, digital is the perfect solution for them. And I, you know, I don't right. need to denigrate it in any way. It's just not the perfect solution for me right now. Right. And and yeah, I know that um, I've had this conversation recently with a friend who is just like you described. They used to be a scrapbooker and they have not been for many, many years and they want to get back into it. Where do you start? And it can be overwhelming because all the supplies are out there and all the supplies are very, um, there's such a got to get everything mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, the franticness of, have you got the new crate paper line? You know, um, it's just, there's so much, there's so much out there. So I actually sent her a big giant box of stuff Aww, that I was destashing. <laughs> I was just destashing anyway. And it was stuff yeah. I was going to, you know, so I thought, okay, I'm going to give her some stamps. I will give her some die cuts. I'll give her some project life cards. I'll give her some full page, you know, um, full page papers, uh, lots of different embellishments just so that she could figure out what felt good. You know, so if you, if you are starting out, I'm not saying you go, you know, shoulder tap and ask for free supplies, but, um, there's always somebody out there that's further along in the process than you. And so just don't be afraid to ask you know, ask the question to somebody who you might know or get tips. I mean, we're all very friendly and willing to help. We want more people to scrapbook. <laughs> well, and to hop on YouTube and see what people are doing and how they're all doing it differently and, and yeah. figure out what resonates. I think that's where kit clubs can really help too, because somebody else is picking a collection of supplies for you that all go together. Um, it's a Absolutely. way you don't have to really do much shopping. You just check out once and then, you know, experiment and see what you like. Yeah, that that is a actually really good. I hadn't considered that, but yeah, the kit clubs because I'm getting back into them now that I'm not on any design teams. So now I'm, I'm having to pay for my own product. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I tend to struggle with uh, I'm kind of an under shopper that I will talk myself out of anything and end up with adhesive and white cardstock in my cart because like <laughs> oh I don't really need that. Um, so that's why I love kit clubs because it actually. Um, brings more supplies into my stash that I can get excited about, but I probably wouldn't have purchased them otherwise because I'm just really not a great shopper. <laughs> right. And that's what I ran into also is when I stopped having stuff flooding in from design teams, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I went to scrapbook.com and I was like, well, do I just buy paper? Like, do I, what do, what do I, what do I buy? <laughs> I don't know what to do here. And so that's where I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just get back into a kit club because somebody else could do it for me. The one exception for me is that when there's, you know, the creativation show and a bunch of new stuff is coming out, I will oh. place a, a larger order with a cherry on top, like I'll pre-order. And then eventually it will show up at my house um, yep. of new stuff that I like, because it's a lot less overwhelming than trying to look through everything. At least I can just look at the new stuff. 
Right. And it's so different also. I mean, I think you've been scrapbooking for a long time too, where we used to be able to, you know, go to a store and look at the paper. Yeah. And I mean, the, my favorite thing was going to, we had this place, um, in a, a couple of towns away called green tangerines. And it was like the Ikea of scrapbook stores. It was beautifully laid out. They had all the collections together. So like your paper would be underneath and then everything in that collection embellishment wise would be up top. So you could walk around and like pick, pick, you know, pick up things that matched. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. So that is harder to do online. Well, I think it's harder to do in some of the remaining stores. I know ours is almost exclusively organized by theme. And so yeah. it's really hard to find the new stuff because they did, they divided it up and put it in different sections. And I'm like, I can't find it. Yeah, I need to know, like, where are the stickers that go with this? Where are the charms or the, you know? Yeah, yeah it's different. Very different. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about, you know, personalizing your process to find creative flow. But we have this really great listener question. How can you scrapbook quickly but still maintain creativity and relaxation. So this is kind of the holy yeah. grail of, <laughs> of scrapbooking experiences here. How can we be all three of those things at once? Um, well, the, the thing that I thought of, because it just this is what kind of came to mind when I was reviewing the question, is, is there's different things you can do to be creative that are still relaxing and still productive. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to batch my, my pages. That's exactly what so, came to mind for me. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad. Cause I felt like, is this like really out there? Um, so the, the concept behind the batching is that you are doing one task, one part of the process all, all at once. So what I did recently was I I knew I needed to finish out my 2018, like end of October through where December daily started. So basically like the last five weeks of the fall. And I just, it's, it was like winter time and I wasn't really feeling the fall colors. I had all these new kind of like springy things. And plus being working in the magazine, you're like a season ahead of everything. And so my mind just wasn't in the fall. And so what I did was I, I got the photos and I picked the cards and I put them into the pockets and that was it. And then I went to the next set of photos that I needed to, to scrapbook, you know, whether it was the story or the event or whatever. And I picked the cards and I put them in the pockets and I just kept doing that until I finished the whole year. So now I've got five weeks of these six by eight pocket pages that are ready to go. So I was being productive. I was being creative because it was, it was, it's not that I didn't like the photos or like the products. I just didn't want to create the pages. I just wasn't feeling creating the pages. So I just picked the cards that I thought would look good with them, put it aside so that then I can go back at some point when I actually want to just make some quick pages. Now I'm halfway done. Yeah. And no, I, I was being I love productive, you know, and what it did too was it got my juices flowing. So I was feeling creative and then I ended up working on stuff that was more current you know, a format that I was really interested in at the time. And, you know, it just kind of moved things along. 
Well, and some of those tasks that maybe don't use as much of your decision-making power or your creative power, yeah. um, as you said, can often like fuel the fire. Like if you get going a little bit and your brain starts making those connections, all of a sudden you're feeling it and either you continue on beyond what you'd plan to on this one project or all of a sudden you're inspired to do something else. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Right. So yeah, I would say batching. And sometimes I think of it as layering, particularly with larger Project Life albums. You're you're thinking about the photo layer and then the card layer, the embellishment layer, and then mm-hmm. the journaling layer. And you can get so much done in a, a much smaller period of time. Um, and then with layouts, I've done up to like six at once where I just like lay everything out. I start with the cardstock and then the photos, pattern papers, like you're just layering up from the bottom. And it, let's say it normally takes you an hour to do a layout. I could probably do four in two hours. Oh. So I, lo- I love that kind of batching. And in terms yeah. of thinking about speed and efficiency, that's the best thing that came to mind for me. Yeah. And you still are being creative. And when you add the relaxing part in there, like you said, you're not making a ton of decisions. Mm-hmm. You're making like 50% of the decisions and leaving, you know, other decisions for, for a different time. Yeah. And it's the more you can make similar decisions that like each decision becomes easier. So you've already selected, well, here's a white card stock. Well, maybe I want some variety. So I'm going to pick a different color or I think white's good. So I'm just going to pick four (laughs) pieces of white card stock here and be good (laughs) with it. Um, You'll often find you can kind of mix and match supply. So when I do these batches of layouts, they all end up looking a little similar, but I made a huge dent in that kit. And um, it was fun. Yeah. And I find that relaxing when I'm not having to make those decisions and, and having to make, you know, uh, too much fuss over the page, I guess. Yeah. And on that same note, something I just thought of, too, was if you you could maybe do something like you just pick two colors to work with. Mm-hmm. And then that way you're not going, OK, well, what color goes really nicely with this pink? Well, if you've decided that this layout is just going to be pink and blue then you're just going to go look for pink and blue stuff and whatever comes out pink and blue, that's what you get to use. You know, so again, if limiting is kind of something that helps you lessen the overwhelm, that could, you know, help with the still maintaining your creativity and getting things in quicker. Well, and that's where challenges from online communities can come in handy because someone is giving you a prompt of where to start, whether it's a story prompt, a sketch, or a specific, you know, color design challenge, go do this thing that can help you really feel inspired and get things done quicker because it then eliminated at least one decision for you. Totally. All right. So now we have our final question, and I'm not sure we're going to have an answer to this, but (laughs) the listener asks us, uh, how do you do it all? The answer to that is I don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't. And, you know, I thought I think about this a lot because I, I guess I give the illusion or the idea that I do a, a lot of things, which I do. I, I do a lot of things. Um, but these, these are the things that I get to do creatively. I could not do 10 years ago. I couldn't even really do it six years ago. My kids needed me more. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was, I was kind of new into the career that I had at that time. And, um, there's just no way I could have maintained, you know, a house and mothering and working and being creative. Um, so the fact that I 
appear that I can do more things just because I have more help now. My kids do chores. I'm not the only one that cleans the house. I delegate. Um, I've given things up. Like I don't fold towels anymore. I just flat out refuse. They, they are clean and they are in a clothes basket. Cause why am I going to fold them? They're just going to get used. Yeah. So nobody needs freshly ironed, you know, towels. <laughs> no, exactly. No. And I have boys. So do you think they care? You know, no, they don't. Um, they just want to know where they are and that they're clean. Maybe I guess they don't have to be clean, but you know, <laughs> I at least try, try to do my, try to do my part. So I, I definitely ask for help. Um, my family knows that creativity and the time that I get to create and do the things that I'm passionate about is very important to me. Um, and I, I'm married to a creative as well. So he understands the deep like desire that, that you kind of just, you don't have a choice. You have to create things. And so he understands, and we both give, you know, give each other our space to do the things that we like to do. Um, and we, we give certain things up. Like sometimes dishes don't get done. Sometimes, you know, the floors don't get clean. Sometimes the bathrooms don't get clean. Like it's okay. You know, um, but I know some people really struggle with, I can't sit down and create if my house is a mess, you know? Yeah, and no, I, I think is, that, that is that's the key me. is being able to let go and knowing yes. that something is going to have to slide because so, there yeah, is never going to be time for everything. No. And if, if your priority is that your house is clean, well, then that's going to be your priority, not your time to create. And it, you know, I've just made creativity a priority over certain things. You know, not that it comes before everything, but everything has a priority and everything has an order. And sometimes you need to pick. And it doesn't mean that every single moment of my life is, you know, I get to just I get to just create fun things and and play online. And, you know, no, (laughs) no, it's it's not. But I've also had to give stuff up. I had to give up the podcast I that I really liked mm-hmm. and that a lot of people liked. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that was a hard decision. And I still, my husband still asks me, when are you going to start that podcast back up? You know, and I'm just like, I can't do all of the things and do them well. Well, and, and coming to that point where you can identify, okay, this is the thing that needs to go in order to create yep. the space for the things that I'm choosing to be a priority yes. right now. Yep. They're, they're, they're just everything. I want to do everything, but I can't, you know, well, and or, just or because the, you make a choice in one moment, it doesn't mean that's going to be the same choice even next week. Let's say one right. week, you're going to let the house go and you're going to, you're going to do batch processing of all your scrapbook yeah. layouts. You're going to do 12 pages in a week. Then you might be a little burnt out and tired. And then next week you're going to go clean your house. And then maybe that's your because, cycle. Maybe yeah. you just volley back and forth. Yeah. But asking for help and delegating is is super important. I know that's not, um, it's not available to everyone. You know, I I've I've got a bit of a different you know household. And even before I started working at home, my husband always worked at home, so he cycled laundry throughout the week. I would you know get it put away. Um, he would run the dishes, or my older son would do the dishes. You know, so there were things that weren't really even on my task list. And now not everybody has that kind of family life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
some some of your you know your lady friends that's their job is to keep the house and their husband doesn't do the helping of of those things and and that's okay you're just gonna have to either say hey you know this is gonna I'm taking a break (laughs) well and you have I mean that's uh we all deserve that and i think communication becomes really important of explaining okay i need this break and here's why oftentimes just saying something out loud is all that's needed to help family members understand because you mentioned that how your family is so supportive and they get that creativity is the core of who you are and, and helps you feel whole and if you're not communicating that to your family they may not even know that you want and need that time that's true that's true yeah you uh, gotta, you gotta ask and communicate for sure. All right. Any final tips that we want to share today with our listeners about, cause we've really covered absolutely everything within our hobbies of yeah. how we get things done and how we make scrapbooking just a little bit easier based on what's going on in our lives and, and what we like best. Yeah. I think I would just want to some, you know, kind of sum up what I want to portray to you know people that want to be creative is, is that you do have to make time for it. If it's important to you, you've got to make the time for it. It isn't going to happen and you're not going to, you're not going to get on that design team or you're not going to be better at layering and you're not going to grow creatively if you're not actively creating. So find the time, whatever that means, um, and, and, and create, make something. Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you share where we can find you online and maybe what you have new or coming up soon? Yeah, so everywhere I am Retro Hip Mama. That's uh, blog, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. And then uh, we have in July, we'll have a new Retro Hip magazine coming out. And we just announced, well, I, I announced in a live and I haven't announced it anywhere else officially. Um, but that magazine will be going from quarterly to bi-monthly. So it'll be every other month. And, uh, that way it'll be hopefully more affordable for people that these issues are getting really big. Cause I'm trying to shove everything into these quarterly issues. Uh, and I would really love it to be, um, more accessible for more people. So we're moving to bi-monthly. Um, and then just, uh, on YouTube, I'm, I'm, um, putting out more process videos, Uh, which I know is something that people are always looking for. And I'm having a lot of fun creating those things. So check me out on YouTube and check out the magazine and you can get that at retrohipshop.com. Awesome. I'm so excited for all these changes for you. Again, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. I want you to go away today and remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. 